It is The Brink coming to you once again for another episode. Our last for January, our second for the year. And episode 156 of The Brink podcast. Remember back in the day when we used to celebrate all those big milestones, our 100th show, our 200th show, all of those. They were good times, fun times. And I believe there's even a bit of a mention of that in one of our guest chats today that you will hear on the show, an exciting one, two of your favorite guests joining us for some elongated chats. You're going to hear from Nick, Nick Chista, all the way from New Zealand with some uh, pretty big news happening in that part of the world. And your new favorite American, Casey Harron, will be joining us on this episode to hear from her neck of the woods now that she is back in the US of A. And join me once again for another fun quiz, because you know we like to do those here on the show. And also a trip down memory lane. We have a classic interview, which I won't tease for you right now, and a snippet from one of our other shows, a bit of a fun bit that we like to cross-promote, let's be honest. As always, I do like to kind of have a bit of a check to see where you're listening from. I always do like to have that source in front of me. And I'm seeing here, USA, lots of people tuning in. Indiana, a state which i got to say I've never been to, uh, a lot of people listening in from Indiana over the last couple of weeks. So, a uh, big hidey ho to all those people listening to us over in Indiana. And a fair chunk of the states represented here. I can see here Vermont, Oklahoma, South and North Carolina, Iowa, Hawaii, Kentucky, Rhode Island. Lots of people spread right out like that. So, a uh, big shout out to all of our American listeners. Uh, on the Australian front, I can see that we're represented here from five of the six states or five of the states and territories. I'm not seeing Queensland. I oh, know I am seeing Queensland there. I can't read apparently. Ben, South Australia is where I'm not seeing here, Northern Territory or ACT. But a shout out to all of our other listeners in Tasmania, number one on that list. I do like seeing that, of course, as well. And uh, in New Zealand, former home, Southland, former place of residence, seeing topping there with Otago. And in Canada, former place of residence, British Columbia, topping the charts there. So good to see that we're making a mark on our former places of residence from this show. And a shout out too to our Singaporean listeners, our Indian listeners, our Colombian, Spanish, British, French listeners. Hello, France, Philippines, and Malaysian listeners. So a few different regions represented there. If I go to the very bottom here, shout out to Argentina. Congratulations on the World Cup. I'm sure you are still celebrating that little occasion that is now uh, a little over a month old. But we always like to see where you're listening from. And why not give us a shout out? Send us a message, send us a good day, and uh, let us know where you're listening from because we would definitely love to hear a little bit more about you. It's a new year on the show, and it doesn't mean we have new guests because we like to get the old guests because they're exciting and entertaining and from foreign, faraway lands that we know and love and make lots of sounds like this because it is that time of the week. To get Nick Chester back on from New Zealand. Nick, welcome back to the show. Sorry for turning you on so early in this episode. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, new year, new me, New Zealand. Is that, oh, is that like a slogan for the election this year, Nick? <laughs> yeah, are you, are you, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I, just, I, sh- I don't know if I should apologise or not. I love it like when we get, um, you know, Colin on, we play the Canadian National Anthem. When we've got Casey on, now we play the American National Anthem. But for Nick, we just play sheep. Like I could play... God defend New Zealand, but no, I think that is your national anthem, right? The sheeping, sheeping barring. The, the official noise of New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> 
more countries should have the official noise. Um, yes. <laughs> what would Australia's be like? Oi, um, don't, don't answer that. Um, big news, Nick. We were going to get you on like a week ago, uh, but you sort of got hit by a car. We'll ask about that in a minute. But um, shouldn't laugh, but it, it happened. And then you're like, no, I can't. Fair enough. Hit by a car. Pretty good excuse. And then all of a sudden, Jacinda quits. Nick. What happened? Where's Jacinda going? Why is this happening? Because everybody seems to be shocked about this, except for New Zealand. Yeah, I think um, you know, like I could, I could tongue in cheek say there's been no news in New Zealand. Let's just move on. But no, there actually <laughs> had, there actually has been like actually international news in New Zealand, which is quite unusual. Yeah, no, I think um, there'd been a lot of a, a lot of noise, I guess, at the end of last year that she was going to resign, and everybody was just like, yeah, whatever, like that's not going to happen. You know, she turned up. Um, you know, at the podium, basically to announce the election date, which is a, a thing that happens here. Like when an election year, the prime minister normally announces the date right at the beginning of the year, and so everyone's expecting that. And then she kind of went, and by the way, I'm not going to be running seeking re-election. I'm actually going to resign like in two weeks' time. Um, and I think it's just probably an acknowledgement that it's been a really, really hard kind of five and a half years for her, probably not quite what she expected when she became prime minister. Like obviously COVID has been a big thing, but she also had a terrorist attack at a mosque um, to deal with and uh, volcanic eruption that killed like 20 people. Um, so probably not quite the, the experience that she was maybe expecting, but I think, you know, even her critics have probably said that she's a pretty, been a pretty good kind of crisis manager and kind of, you know, been a good leader during those times. So, you know, I think that while she was the right person for the job, I think it's taken a toll on her personally. Um, and also she's, you know, quite focused on her family and her, her daughter's about to turn five and go to school. So I think she was really keen on actually being there and, and spending time with her family. So yeah, I think it probably still came as a massive shock to everybody here too, but then immediately it was like, yeah, we kind of understand why as well. Cause I think the interesting thing when you look back at the last, cause it's crazy. You say it's been five and a half years. I remember having you on this show when she was, cause it was that weird election, right? Where it was kind of like, uh, she didn't necessarily get elected straight away. It was like that waiting period. I remember having you talk about that but no disrespect to your country we obviously like to make fun of it but New Zealand's not exactly a country that outside of New Zealand gets talked about on the world stage but you have been in the last five and a half years not only with Jacinda in control but with those I mean two of those events obviously COVID was a global one but New Zealand still made the headlines for how you handled it of course Christchurch and then the volcanic eruption so a lot to deal with at the same time as being sort of a real uh, forefront in world news. I mean, Stephen Colbert talks about her all the time, had her on the show. Sometimes Pink was tweeting about her, you know, saying what a good leader she had been. I mean, I don't think when Scott Morrison got voted out, Pink was going, yeah, thanks, Scott, for your time. <laughs> Probably goes, who is the Prime Minister of Australia? So, I mean, it's, it's been a, a very detailed five years for her and really put New Zealand out there on the world stage more so than it maybe has been in a long time. Well, I think too, it's like it probably speaks to, you know, the world of politics that having, you know, a woman in her mid to late 30s leading a country is unusual, you know, like that's still quite an unusual thing. And I think the thing that's quite disarming about her to a lot of people is that she's really quite human, like she's not a kind of polished politician. She comes across as, as like a very normal person that you could have a conversation with. And so I think, you know, she's not aloof. And I think that throws a lot of people like, well, this is kind of quite unusual um and yeah like i think probably the word that's been used a lot with her is empathy she shows a lot of empathy and um and and so that's kind of made her somebody that 
attracts a lot of attention. And yeah, I think probably leading through some pretty nasty times, especially I guess like she is she's kind of like the polar opposite of Donald Trump and, and Boris Johnson, you know. So I think when the whole world's attention is on those two, for you know, whether you like them or not, I think it's pretty clear that Jacinda is kind of like the opposite of those two. So I think when people are looking if if, if they're trying to criticize or if they're trying if they're trying to big up Donald Trump, I think they're looking for that polar opposite. And she is that that person who's kind of like the the other extreme, I guess. Bit of a loaded question, the fact that I don't expect you to sit here and explain the ins and outs of opinions and everything of, of New Zealand politics. But one thing that I think I found when living there, which a lot of people here find unique when I mention it, is that she's not as popular in New Zealand as she maybe is outside of New Zealand. It was a similar thing when I lived in Canada. The world opinion of Justin Trudeau is, look at this guy, he's amazing, he's hot, he's fun, everybody loves him. Uh-uh, not a big thing in Canada. So, I mean, can you sort of explain, because she obviously seemingly was getting a lot of internal criticism that she maybe isn't as beloved within New Zealand as she is outside of New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think it's almost like that Obama effect, I think, as well as like the rest of the world thought Obama was awesome, but he was not maybe not as popular. And he obviously got elected twice. He's popular enough. But um, I think, yeah, and I think, you know, during COVID, very, very popular, you know, got elect, re-elected in 2020 with like, you know, the, the strongest kind of majority margin that we've ever had in New Zealand under our current system. Um, but I think kind of since then, like events kind of within and out of her control have probably not helped her, you know. So obviously the whole thing with Delta and um, and vaccines and mandates and stuff like that, and, you know, people might not be aware or might have forgotten that it was only a year ago that we had like a massive kind of occupation of our parliament gardens and, and grounds by this big group that were kind of basically calling her Hitler and, you know, calling for her to be hung and, and all that kind of really nasty stuff. And, you know, so I think there is definitely those, she's polarising, right? So I think people that like her really like her and I think people that dislike her can't stand her and I think it kind of brings out the best and worst in people from that regard and yeah I think that takes a toll on people right and I think you know although she hasn't said it a lot of the kind of media talk here has been about the way potentially you know well well, definitely not potentially a misogynistic kind of um, abuse that she has had to face and there's a lot of evidence to suggest it's been at much higher levels than other politicians so I think that kind of stuff takes a real toll and so I think it's just um, I I certainly wouldn't say she was unpopular in New Zealand I would say she's polarizing Um, I think at the time of of um, her resigning she was still that in terms of like the preferred leader preferred prime minister she was still far and away the most most preferred prime minister in new zealand you know way ahead of the the leader of the opposition and stuff like that so while the party might be behind in the poll she was still very much the kind of popular leader which is always that weird sort of i know it's always confusing in australia when you kind of have the whole two-party preferred but who's a preferred prime minister and i think it's kind of like a lot of people get confused if you see it from the outside because again when you're like us you're not like america where you're just literally voting for donald trump or joe biden like you've got to vote for your party who then is the leader and all that kind of fun stuff chris hipkins um (laughs) can can you say it in your accent quickly for me (laughs) cross hopkins Hopkins. thank you um (laughs) now 
he's the new guy. I guess at the time of recording this, what, technically not in control yet? When does he actually get sworn? Yeah, well, in? I think at the time at the time of recording, um, this is the last the last full day of Jacinda's reign. Ah. So tomorrow, tomorrow, so that's, um, what, the 25th of January, um, she will officially resign and, and he will take over. There you go. So uh, at the time of people listening to this, uh, Chris Hipkins is control now. Just your thoughts on him, because I have a story about Chris Hipkins. This is weird. I can sit here and tell a story about my interaction with the very much New Zealand Prime Minister at the time of listening to this. So, I mean, was he the favourite? Was he like was he like the deputy? I don't know sort of how that sort of worked within the, the Labour Party, but, I mean, kind of what's the vibe on Mr Cross Hopkins? No, well, I mean, the deputy Prime Minister came out really fast and said he wasn't seeking... The, you know he's the he's the finance minister as well, and so he, he didn't want that. He's run for, to be leader before and failed, and so he said it, it wasn't something he was after. So kind of like the most obvious person said no straight away. I think um, Hipkins is probably you know, your safest pair of hands. He's probably been the one who's had lots of the kind of um, the big portfolios. He's kind of thought of being as like the Mr. Fixer in the the Ardern administration in terms of, you know, if health is not going well, he gets given health. If police isn't going well, he gets given police. And he was the um, the COVID response minister. So he's actually like, I guess that's the other thing too. He's quite familiar to the public. It's not like this is a kind of who the hell is this person. People kind of know him, but he's pretty kind of, I guess, and your experience sounds like it might be slightly different, but he's pretty, <laughs> Pretty kind of relaxed and laid back kind of a guy, and I think like he's he, he came into Parliament at the same time as Jacinda. He's about the same age. Um, he, you know, like he's he's not somebody that's going to get super flustered. And I think it's probably like I think the the current government is probably thinking this is somebody that people are not going to be. He's probably not going to be that polarizing presence. Um, so yeah, I think he's he's probably not going to set the world alight. You know, we had the whole Jacinda mania thing here, where like people were flocking to get selfies with her. I'm not quite sure that's going to happen. Um, and I think he was kind of like caught on the street, like, you know, dressed like a meth dealer, like basically looked like like an extra out of Breaking Bad when they interviewed him on the street. So I, th- I think he's probably a, a, a different, but a lot of the same kind of, you know, that kind of calm presence of just in, that just in the has. So in some ways, I, I think he, he's going to be quite similar. I want to ask you about spreading legs in a minute because that sounds inappropriate. Yeah. And before I tell my story too, he's from the Hutt Valley which um, I don't know much about, but uh, nickname of Chippy. Uh, so yes. uh, good for him. Uh, yeah, my brief story with him was I was working in one of the newspapers I worked at and I, I look, I don't remember the context of the story, but I know I had to write a story on something to do with him and a comment that he used. So I used a direct quote that he had given in an interview and I think I did interview him over text at one point. But So I, I literally got a quote that he had said in an interview, not out of context in any way, it was just literally word for word what was said in an interview. Boom, it was published in the article. I get a phone call like a day or two later. Hi, this is Jenny, Chris Hipkins, media advisor. How are you going, Jenny? Uh, yeah, so, you know, we're a bit concerned about the the quote that you used in your article. And I'm like, oh, you know, do tell me more. And basically she's saying, oh, this was taken out of context. And I explained like, well, it wasn't. This is exactly, you know, what he said verbatim. This, it's not like I use it to say he was a murderer or something like that. Okay, you know, cool, yep, understand, whatever, great. So I thought that was done with. About a week later, I get an email from Jenny. So when are you publishing the retraction? And I'm like, like, what are you talking about? She's like, yeah, it's the phone call we had last week. When are you publishing the retraction? I'm like, well, I thought we sorted it and this was never asked for. And, you know, just an exchange was had and she wasn't happy. So in a discussion with my editor and everything along this, basically, long story short, we published a retraction, but it basically said, 
We apologise to the minister for quoting exactly what he said. Um, so it was basically like a snide little... I've got it somewhere. I need to find it. But um, that's my weird story with the now Prime Minister of New Zealand. Um, <laughs> my Jacinda stories are, hey, come on the radio show, and she nearly did, but it didn't happen. But, um, yeah, so that's my... And, and I'm not saying it was Chris. That was Chris's media advisor. Um, so... There you go. You can you can take that out there to the masses and spread it against him if you if you don't want to vote for him in October, Nick. Yeah, some 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 officious staff member there by the sounds of things, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, not enough not enough to do if they if they're chasing you up. I think, and particularly a, a lowly reporter in Invercargill, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's really in the beat. Uh, just quickly spreading the legs now. Uh, you sent me this link, so is this going to be a John Oliver clip in about a month's time? The new Prime Minister yeah, of New feel, Zealand told everyone to spread like their legs. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it might be. Yeah, I mean that was just like he absolutely just said the wrong thing. Like somebody's asking him about like how far like during lockdowns like how far people were allowed to travel from their home to exercise and he's basically going oh you know like you know people in like you know really urban areas might find it hard to get out and stretch their legs but he actually said spread their legs and so <laughs> that turned into a big meme that kind of went everywhere and I remember there were like coffee mugs and stuff it was like spread your legs not the virus and stuff like that so <laughs> I think he's that is a memorable moment for him it's right up there with the um, sausage roll cake which I don't know if you've heard about as well which is so um, yeah he's a bit of apparently he lives on sausage rolls and Diet Coke and um, when, when when parliament buildings decided the cafeteria decided to to remove sausage rolls from their, um, um, you know, their, their menu because it was an unhealthy food. Apparently, he started a revolution and got got it back. But last <laughs> year for his last year for his birthday, his staff and this might have been Jenny, maybe um, organised to him, him to have a sausage roll cake oh. um, instead of. A, I'm, I'm actually going to like, although the viewers won't be able to see it, I'm going to share it with you just so you can actually see. Oh, can no, I can't share it with you, but I'll send you I'll send you a photo so you can see it. But um, yeah, it's it, it is an absolute thing of beauty this cake but um yeah i mean i i don't i don't i don't eat meat much these days but there if there's one thing that i kind of miss these days it is probably the the old sausage roll so it does look pretty impressive um so so yeah he's he, he's a i mean that that will endear him to kiwis that he um that he likes sausage rolls that's definitely a thing i gotta say Sometimes it's the weird ones that are actually the nicest. I remember on this very program when we celebrated one of our 100th anniversaries back in the day when we were actually on radio, Sam, our, our former co-host, uh, brought in a baked bean cake. Sounds disgusting. <laughs> but it's actually really good. He did bring in like a broccoli cake a couple of years later, which I didn't try. But, um, yeah, it was very uh, interesting. Wasn't it? Was it Bill English who liked spaghetti on pizza? Oh yeah, yeah, that was a whole thing as well. Yeah, the spaghetti on pizza. Oh, yeah, that, that was that does uh, yeah. look quite good. That cake, gotta say. Yes, um, yes. So, so it's basically yes, it's basically just layers of like sausage meat and pastry. Um, so yeah, literally a such. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think it looks pretty good. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, to be seen how he gets on, and I mean, I think probably. Um, you know, if you were going to take a guess, I think you would probably say that um, we're, we're more likely to have a change of government in, in October based on current polling, but you just never know. And so I guess the, the challenge to, to Chris Hipkins is to try and turn that around and, and get himself more than just a few months as Prime Minister, but another three years. Well, I was going to, we can talk about that in the lead up because it's a, it's a big, uh, I guess, election, isn't it? So it's not till October. I know sort of here, we, we, it's like a three and a half year term and the Prime Minister sort of has to call it by a certain date and generally they sort of maybe do like a 
maybe it's like a two-month lead-in or a six-week lead-in or whatever it is, what it is, but you've got until October, so that's a bloody long one. But And I was trying to work out, like, I, I thought you had a snap election, but you didn't because I think when I left, it was not long after I left that you had your election, right? It was 29, 2020, 21? We had one, uh, 2020, and um, same, like, I think probably by law, I think it's only like you, the Prime Minister only has to call it like three or so months ahead. But right. I think kind of like there's been this precedent set that at the beginning of what, what what is the election year, the Prime Minister will announce that election date, like even though campaigning won't start until like, you know, right, three months sure. beforehand. But I remember the last one is like we set a date, all working towards that date, and then we had Delta lockdowns. And so we actually ended up moving the election by like a month That's or something like that right. as well. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, it was, it was all a bit messy really. Christopher Luxon. National leader. I'm sure we can learn a lot about that. Is it? It's kind of one of those weird things, and I feel weird saying this as a white male, but it's kind of like you have this, you know, great leader empowering for women and all this kind of stuff. Your last election wasn't it like you had another female running as a major thing, and now this time, yeah, two white guys like yeah, fucking <laughs> both called Chris, both called yeah. Chris, fucking great, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, I think one of the kind of like side stories to Jacinda leaving is that actually, and um, we've got a new. Prime Minister, obviously, but a new Deputy Prime Minister who happens to be our first um, Pacifica um, oh, nice. Deputy, Deputy Prime Minister. So um, right. I think I think there is a, there is diversity below, you know, the top two. Um, but yeah, and I think um, you know we, we've also got Jimmy Carr in the country, and I think he's kind of compared. If you look at a, a photo of Christopher Lux, and he does look a little bit like Humpty Dumpty, and um, and and <laughs> Jimmy Carr has suggested. <laughs> to work Carr, out who he looked like. That, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Jimmy Jimmy Carr suggested that we've got this kind of apparent egg shortage in New Zealand, um, and that he could solve that by cracking open his head because it looks like an egg. So, oh. um, <laughs> I'm seeing him in a couple of weeks, and I'm intrigued what he says about Anthony Albanese, who uh, just a friendly reminder to Australians is our Prime Minister. If you forgot, like I do every single bloody day, um, it wouldn't be having you on the show without talking about some form of sport. And I know the last time we had you on, we we talked to. There was a string of World Cups happening at sort of the end of last year. I think we had, what, like Rugby League World Cups, 2020 World Cups, the Women's Rugby World Cup. But we're now in that cycle, which I always get excited for sort of in the odd years that I don't call Olympic years. So you obviously don't have your winter or your summer Olympics. And often in those, you'll either also have a World Cup or a Euros for, for us soccer fans. But there's always that one where you have the three big suckers to me, which in our part of the world are the Cricket World Cup, the Rugby World Cup, and the Netball World Cup. And I'm going to throw in there too, of course, the Women's World Cup for the football side of things, all happening this year. One of them's in our own backyard, which we will talk about. But I remember I was in New Zealand back in 2019, and I remember the talk around those back then for New Zealand was that you, all three of them, you were in with a shot of winning. You won the Netball. I'm sorry to bring it up again, Nick, but you lost the cricket, which robbed. And the rugby, I believe you went out in the semis, the All Blacks, which was a big shock at the time. So how is New Zealand tracking for the big three this year? We'll get to the women's, the Football World Cup, but I'm talking cricket, netball and rugby. How are New Zealand feeling this year for those three? I'll just say we didn't lose the cricket. It was you a draw. Did. Yes. Um, <laughs> let, let's not go there again. But um, yeah, I th- look, I think I think netball is um, it, it's Aussies to lose. It, it normally always is, but occasionally they do lose it. And um, the Silver Ferns seem to be really good at turning up for world you know World Cups and um, and um, Commonwealth Games and stuff like that. Like often they'll be rubbish leading into that, and then when it really matters, they'll kind of pull you lost it out. to Malawi but, at the Commonwealth Games. I'll just bring that up. 
happening. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, so I think I think probably it's not looking good for that. But I, I you never you never quite know with that stuff. So um, yeah, I think netball's probably not at its highest ebb at the moment. Um, I mean, cricket. It's hard to know. Like, I mean, at, at the time of recording, we're over in India, kind of getting our ass handed to us. Um, so I think when it's in, I, I always think like the cricket is so dependent on venue, like part of the world, and like when it's played in, you know, here or in Aussie or in England, I feel a lot more confident um, because they're kind of similar pitches. And but when it's in India, I, I just feel like. India, Pakistan, it's one of those two is going to win it, you know, um, just because, yeah, it's just one of those things about cricket, right? So I'm, I'm not feeling super confident, but, you know, like with cricket, like we just, we seem to get to the end of these tournaments, like, every time and to maybe this will be the one where our luck runs out a little bit we've had lots of injuries in the last little bit so yeah I mean you, you just never know um, and I mean rugby rugby's a weird one I think like this is the first time I've really felt like unsure going into a rugby world cup like it does almost feel like a football world cup where there are literally four, five, six teams that could potentially win this and that's not an exaggeration this time around so I think it, it really could be anyone the All Blacks have not been in great form I mean they've been patchy but they have, again, they have turned up when it matters. Like they've beaten South Africa this year twice, I think. I don't know. Like, beaten so, us so, 400 times. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I think we actually had quite a good end to the season um, up in the Northern Hemisphere and then had that draw with England in the very last game. Um, so I think the All Blacks are really good at throwing results away. And so they're going to have to be composed when it matters. I think the, co- the current coach, the All Blacks, is again a bit like Jacinda, but a, a bit polarizing. People like, not all on board with him. He actually coached the Chiefs, which is my kind of local team for years, pretty unsuccessfully. So like I, I'm not I'm I'm not super confident. And I think that there's a there's a second coach waiting in the wings, a Scott Robertson who's been coach of the the Crusaders for a really long time. I think I, I, I don't think anyone would be surprised if regardless of the results, whether we win the World Cup or not, Scott Robertson's coaching the All Blacks because I think that that feels like that's what's going to happen. So, you know, like I, I honestly think that the All Blacks winning the World Cup and the All Blacks going out in the quarterfinals and anything in between is possible. And and that kind of is, is fun. And, and, you know, like, and I think Kiwis aren't nearly as stressed as we used to be about the Rugby World Cup. It used to be so important that we win it. And now I think people are not quite, that their expectations aren't quite that high anymore. So it could be a bit more fun for us this time around. It's, I mean, you could just be like Australia and rehire your ex-girlfriend, right? Who, um, <laughs> yeah. Go through that. But it's, it's interesting, like with netball, for example, it's in South Africa. There you go. I didn't even know where it was this year. But uh, so that's in July to August. So kind of all these World Cups are around about the same period. So basically from July through to October, we're going to be World Cup spoiled because you've got the Netball World Cup. I know the Women's World Cup, which we'll touch on in a moment, is around that time. And I think the Rugby and Cricket World Cups overlap because they pushed the Cricket World Cup back this year. Uh, so that's from October to November, and the Rugby World Cup is uh, September to October. So they're going to overlap, which is which wow. is an oddity. Good. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that, sadly, Canada did not make it. Uh, neither did the U.S. make it into the uh, Rugby World Cup this year. But uh, Chile are making their debut. So mm. um, get excited for that. Because uh, the, the USA got put out by, like, Portugal or somebody, I think, in, like, a very last-minute yep. goal in Canada the qualifiers. Yep, and got done by Chile. 
So, mm. um, yeah, so they're the only debutante this year. But I'm glad Georgia's back. I've always got a soft spot for Georgia. Namibia and Romania, who I saw live at a World Cup 20 years ago. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, no, I think it will be uh, fascinating to see how that goes. And the Cricket World Cup, which, again, there's a whole other episode. I, I'm sad that the Cricket World Cup have kind of cut their teams by 10. You know, when they expanded to, like, 20 and all that. So I know they're kind of focusing on the 2020 side of things now. But you've only got, like, 12 nations and basically you only let – two of the non-ones through. So basically you've got this World Cup qualifier, which is going to happen in June, which so far is going to be between the Netherlands, Zimbabwe, Scotland, and two other nations, which are going to be between Papua New Guinea, Jersey, the US, and Canada. So two of those, I'm going to call it right now, it's going to be the US and Canada, will probably (laughs) go off and play Netherlands, Zimbabwe, and Scotland. And I'm going to say it will be Zimbabwe and Scotland who will make it. So um, no real surprises kind of there going that. But yeah, I think same with our cricket team. Uh, no hope for the Wallabies. Uh, we've been shit for a while now. I don't think we're beating you guys. I think we won a Bledisloe Club Cup since like you and I were in high school. Um, <laughs> Cricket World Cup, eh, who knows? Um, not really feeling netball. Let's go with that. But the Women's World Cup, which I just want to touch on soccer because I guess three things with soccer. We'll start off quickly with the Men's World Cup. Argentina, your thoughts? Because I think last time we were on there, we were talking about this in the preview of it. Um, England choked, haha. But like, I mean, what was your take overall on the men's World Cup? Quickly before we touch on the women's World Cup this year. I mean, I think it was quite nice to see um, Argentina kind of finally win one. You know, like it'd been such a long time. It'll be a final I never forget because I actually tested positive for COVID at halftime. Um, at halftime, like, wow. yeah. Like, I, like, well, I tested, I tested, hadn't felt well the day before, um, and then so I. Um, I tested and was negative. And then the morning of the, we were you know, up early watching the match and I was like, oh, I probably should just check before I go to work. So I tested at, at half time and it was like positive. It's like, oh, okay. So I didn't really appreciate like how good that final was. I feel like I wish I could go back and just rewatch it. Um, but, um, you know, without knowing the results. So the amazing final, I think the overall quality of Qatar 2022 was pretty average if I'm being honest I don't I don't think it was an amazing World Cup um, it, but there were amazing moments you know I think it had you know probably the best final that we've ever seen or certainly in my lifetime um, so you can't take that away from it but I think the, the overall quality of the games outside of that you know people go on about oh it had the most goals or whatever it also had the most nil all draws and so so yeah I think not one that I think will live long in the memory to be honest did um, New Zealand give a shit about Australia making it through to the round of 16? Did, did you guys even give two shits about that? Oh, there was this really dumb shit going on on the news at the time about, you know, because, you know, like whenever we do something good sporting-wise, like Aussie makes this kind of joking thing about go Australasia. Yep. And so and so we did the same and I got really angry at that. It's like, <laughs> no, we're, we're, like, we're supposed to hate Australia. Like we should, we should like all be Argentinian for the week because we want to see Australia. Like I was really hoping Australia lost like 6-0 because, you know, like that, because we have a rivalry for a reason. You don't get on board with them when it's convenient for you. But um, yeah, I think, that that was the only thing I remember from that. Well, I got to say though, Nick. Um, moving forward, congratulations on New Zealand being the only country besides the hosts have an automatic qualifying spot for the World Cup. Moving forward, uh, <laughs> with Oceania now having the automatic slot, uh, congratulations, New Zealand, permanent um, World Cup uh, attendees from twenty twenty six onwards. Until we lose the qualifiers to the Solomon Islands, oh, <laughs> I'd be like, look, I, 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 I really am weirdly happy that you guys will be there because I've always thought Oceania should get a spot no matter what, whether we're in it or not. But uh, I weirdly would love to see, like, you know, American Samoa 
famous for what losing thirty seven nil to Australia in like two thousand and three or whatever it was, um, going and uh, knocking you. Down. But the thing is with the weird qualifying thing, you'd still make that weird six intercontinental playoff yeah. thing that they're going. So you'll just lose we, to freaking Peru again. I don't know. Well, we we did because we did lose one of those Oceania qualifiers to the Solomon Islands one year because I remember like you know because. Like the winner of the Oceania goes to the like the Confederations Cup. Or whatever they don't it do is. anymore, but they used to. Uh, right. do that. Yeah, I remember right. that. Yeah, year. yeah, yeah. That's yeah right. That was that was that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it was embarrassing that year we lost to you in the Oceania qualifiers <laughs> that one time. That was that was our Solomon Island moments. Uh, but the Women's World Cup, obviously, in our own backyard. Now, you sort of had a bit of a chat with me recently about wanting to get tickets of the the four venues that it's happening in New Zealand. So obviously Auckland, Eden Park, you got Wellington happening. So the two on the, uh, well, and Hamilton as well, your own backyard. And then Dunedin, the only one on the South Island. I mean, I'm guessing it would be Hamilton close to you, your your actual home city, even though you don't live there anymore. But uh, you got tickets, you thought, because you get the US. I don't think Australia will see the US until the final, basically, yeah. based on how the tournament works. Yeah, well, I hope you do better than we did in the warm-ups with them on the weekend where we lost like 5-0. But, um, yeah, I think um, it's a little bit complicated for me. I'm about to have a baby, so, like, I'll have a kind of, like, six-month-old at that point. And I'd, I'd love to be able to take my daughter to a to a, a Women's World Cup, but, you know, she's six months old. She's not going to enjoy it. So I, I haven't really figured out what that looks like yet, but I would really like to go to a game. The other cool thing is that even though Tauranga doesn't have any matches here because we don't have a stadium, um, we are hosting the Netherlands are actually going to be ba- nice. going to be based here, and they're one of the obviously one of the better they teams. They lost the so, final four years ago to the US. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So, so that's really cool. So, like, even if I don't go to a match, it'd be really cool if they've got an open training session or something like that to go to. So, I think probably it's a little bit up in the air for me at the moment, um, just because of life. Um, but I'm I'm really keen to try and get to a game if I can. Pretty sure FIFA announced what was like 120,000 tickets or something, or 500,000 yeah. tickets have been sold to like 120 different countries, and obviously here in Sydney, it's it's massive. The the opening game between Australia and Ireland sold out. Uh, they're talking about moving it to the biggest stadium here in Sydney. I I got tickets. I'm going to see Germany, Colombia in the groups because I've got to see Germany at a World Cup. I've got tickets to the round of 16, and I've got tickets to the final. Well, one ticket to the final. I, I lucked into one, and that wasn't even through work. That was just actually buying it myself. <laughs> but good friend of the show, Jimmy, he went and bought tickets to the quarters and the semifinals, and I'm like, oh, well, I'll do you a ticket trade. You can have, like, my round of 16 ticket or my, you know, germany Columbia. And he's like, oh, I bought six to each of the quarterfinals and the semis. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll gladly take one. So at this rate, I might have a ticket to uh, the round of 16 quarterfinal, semifinal, and final, but we'll nice. How is like are the New Zealand games like selling out? You're in what group A? I, you've got Norway, Philippines, and Switzerland. I mean, how are they tracking much news around? I that? honestly, I honestly don't know. Um, there hasn't been a lot in the news about it. Um, I suspect probably just because it's a little bit far away. Um, so I think probably when we get a little bit closer, um, we might find out a little bit more about how they're selling. I do feel like I, you know, I went and had a look, and it felt like FIFA wanted to like basically know my blood type in order to let me buy a ticket so yes. like, it would be it would be nice if the process was a little bit easier but such as life when it comes to fifa right um, i don't even have so, my ticket yet nick they're just basically like here we've got your money and we'll give you your ticket closer i feel like i got yeah. scammed i feel like i'm not going to see a ticket at all <laughs> yeah well fifa and scammed kind of go together exactly don't they? So, um so, so yeah um so uh, yeah i mean absolutely it would be awesome to go i i I imagine probably that because I think probably over here we don't really appreciate how into football you guys are now like Aussie's become like a massive football country all of a sudden Um, and I think you know like even seeing those scenes of people watching 
you know, the the men's team playing in the World Cup, like in public spaces, it was like, wow, I, I hadn't really appreciated how big football had gotten. And, and you know, that's, you know, all, all kind of credit to the A-League of kind of building a, a real fan base over there, which is cool. It's nice to hear a fan who actually still can credit the A-League after recent events that happened after the World Cup, but we won't get <laughs> into that. Um, oh, yeah, these things happen. It's, uh, it's interesting, actually, though, with the US, because, I mean, in the group stage, the US are with the Netherlands. So in Wellington you will see the World Cup final from four years yeah, ago cool. rematch. And just seeing here, Hamilton, who do, you, who do you get, Nick? You've got Switzerland versus Norway, traditional rivals there. Uh, Japan and Zambia. Uh, Costa Rica and Zambia. Oh, get out the, uh, the, the flares for that one. Uh, you've got Vietnam versus playoff group A winners, uh, which I can tell you looks like it will be Cameroon, Thailand or Portugal. Uh, so uh, lock up the uh, the fans for that one. And then Argentina, Sweden, basically. So they're your group stage matches, if any of them tickle your fancy. I'm going with Zambia, Costa Rica. Uh, that'd be the one to get tickets for, I think. I reckon there might be a few of them left still, maybe. Yes, yes. <laughs> Vietnam, who knew they had a football team? Well, there you go. There you go. This is I guess a, everyone's got a football team. Well, it's the first Women's World Cup to go to 32 teams, of course, so mm. they have expanded. Uh, quickly, your team in, in the Premier League, Newcastle, doing all right. Third. This is unusual, right? You guys aren't. You, weren't you in the Division 1 a couple of years ago? Yeah, well, it's been it, – it, it's been um, – kind of the turning on the tap, I guess, for, for Newcastle fans, because um, for those that kind of aren't aware, we were kind of owned by um, a guy who didn't really want to spend a lot of money on the club for about 14 years and kind of kind of ran it into the ground and we got relegated a couple of times and came back up. And anyway, um, about 18 months, almost two years ago now, the club actually got sold to uh, Saudi Arabian. So basically the Saudi Arabian government owns <laughs> owns Newcastle now, which I obviously I have some pretty mixed emotions about um, along with a couple of minority stakeholders. Um, but anyway, that has, that has kind of breathed new life into the club. And while I think a lot of people just assumed that, lots of money has been poured into players and there certainly has been some money put in. It hasn't been an absolute kind of Man City situation where we've just gone out and bought an all new squad. There's still lots of players who have been you know, relegated with us and, and are still in that squad. And so I think probably a lot of the credit for how they're doing at the moment comes to our coach, which is Eddie Howe, who um, an English coach who kind of was quite, you know, got his fame from bringing Bournemouth up through various different grades from I think League 2 right up to the Premier League and um, so he just seems like a really dynamic coach who's taken this opportunity and, and kind of really made the most with this team um, so yeah it's really really exciting as, as you know as a fan of a club that's kind of you know floundered at the bottom end of the Premier League for basically my entire adult life it's really exciting to now see them in the, the higher reaches and, and hopefully they can stay there for the, the rest of the season because somebody at work told me they haven't won a trophy in about 60 years right so like it's 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 I mean, I mean this is kind of that interesting thing about the Premier League where it's like you know you may not be in a chance of winning is what you're 11 points off the top but it's it's that top four spot right because you want to be in the Champions yep. League or the top five because you got what the Champions Cup or whatever the UEFA Cup whatever it's called so is that kind of where as a fan 
you're hoping to just hang on to the top five to to taste Europe for the I guess first time in a very long time for Newcastle. Yeah, I mean that that's obviously something that would be great. And I mean, obviously, with being in European competitions, especially the Champions League, comes a lot of money. So um, you know that opens up new opportunities in terms of of um, sponsorships and 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 that kind of stuff, which then allows us to buy more players. You know, so so getting to that top table obviously helps you. But we're also at, you know, as of recording, um, we're we're in the semi final of the the league cup um which you know newcastle hasn't made the semi-finals of, a, of any cup for almost 20 years um and so the fans are, are kind of desperate for this team to make the final so that they get a trip to wembley and um i think if we if, if we do the chances are quite likely that we'll be playing your team manchester united in the final so I, I think that that's you know that's um that's really exciting and the opportunity i think that there are there are you know a generation of fans who just want to see this team win a trophy like that you know would, have you seen them win a trophy in your lifetime? No, no. There you no, go. God, no. See, which no. is which is interesting. Which I mean, it's funny you say that about Magic because, like, in my office now, uh, actually, not as many Manchester United fans as you think. I think there's like three of us. But like my side of we just my desk moved into a new room, and I'm basically on an entire side of Arsenal supporters. Um, <laughs> it must so, have been a fun week at work oh, for you. Yeah, that that was definitely <laughs> fun. Um, so yeah, a lot of Arsenal, a lot of Liverpool supporters in my office, um, but. Uh, yeah, look, I, I like to say I jumped on the bandwagon in the 90s and I haven't jumped off it. Uh, so we've sucked for, what, 10 years, Manchester United? So uh, at least we're in the top five. That's Have we sacked a coach how many times this year? <laughs> Just the, No, I think you've had the same coach all season. Oh, there that's, you go. That's, that's, a that's a record for us since Fergie, isn't it? Like, don't we yeah. go through like 20 coaches a season? Like, <laughs> that's generally what I think. i got to ask you, you, before we let you go, you, you I mean – Baby coming up, congratulations. You got hit by a car, not congratulations. But the, the one that you touched on, which I don't even know about, you talked to me about a sausage delivery in, in a town there in New Zealand, which I, <laughs> I don't know if I've heard about this. So please talk to me about random sausage deliveries in New Zealand. Well, no, for my my um, one fan, I am okay. It was a, it was a minor accident and um, – Although it felt like it was pretty awful at the time, I've recovered okay. So we, you're we, on a bike. That's all... fine. Your cars are allowed to yeah. bike riders. You bloody maniacs. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. fine. That's right. So I'm doing okay. But yeah, there was a story that seems to be doing the rounds over here this week, which is about Waiheke Island, which is off the coast of Auckland. Um, and there's there's quite a quite a big population on that island. Um, but basically, there there's like an ongoing mystery about Waiheke Island residents are finding single sausages wrapped in bread left in their letterboxes <laughs> and like. There's accusations flying about who's doing it and what their Bunnings. motives are. But Bunnings are doing yeah, it as promotion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and so basically, like nobody knows who's doing it, but people keep finding these like cooked sausages and a, a piece of bread with with tomato <laughs> sauce like in their letterboxes, <laughs> and like it's turned into this whole kind of. This feels like you know like a, a parody podcast, true crime podcast is about to happen about this situation. But yeah, and so one guy apparently keeps getting them delivered, and his and he was like, "This is weird," and then he started talking to his friend who are like all getting them so like there's this big group of people who and nobody knows who the mystery sausage deliverer is so it's um that's you know welcome to new zealand <laughs> john oliver's got so much material when he returns in a month right like yeah. you never hear about australia anymore on john oliver but new zealand yeah which i mean yeah. the obvious thing is set up a webcam find out like is yeah. are people yeah. doing this or like are the you know tvnz camping outside you know yeah. jim's house to see who's delivering the well, sausage 
Well, there is there is one obvious suspect who has been ruled out. Well, he's ruled himself out, which is um, that I don't know if you if you had one in Invercargill, but there's a um, a chain of of butcheries in New Zealand called the Mad Butcher, um, and so Sir Peter Leach, who owned that, who was the Mad Butcher, he said it's absolutely not him behind it. So the the obvious candidate um, is has ruled himself out and said it's it's not anything to do with him. Is there a Bunnings on the island? <laughs> I don't think so. No. I just, I'm just saying, it's Bunnings. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. probably not allowed to deliver catalogs anymore. So it's like have a free yeah. sausage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you, you know. if you cut, if you cut it open, you'll find like this week's deals inside <laughs> the sausage. <laughs> and that annoying music plays, like, oh, Bunnings. Probably the last time we get you on the show, Nick, as a non-father. So, uh, yes. congratulations. And I know it's not traditionally a girl's name, but Ben. I got called a girl much of my life, so maybe it's time to finally give that name its justice and give it to a girl. We could go with like Benifer and you know, like that was it. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can work on that. I make no promises, but you know, I'll think about it. I would like to take you a trip down memory lane when it comes to a classic interview, and one of the favourite ones I ever did. It was an in-person interview too. Very lucky to have that opportunity. Is with the late great. Bert Newton, legend of Australian television, sadly passed away at the end of 2021. And I had the honour of being able to sit down with him literally in person in the lobby of a hotel in Hobart as he was here at the time involved in the stage production of Grease. This year was 2014, so approaching 10 years ago. Can you believe it? And a fantastic chat with Bert, an absolute icon of the industry and an absolute honour to be able to sit face-to-face with him, and have a chat with old Moonface. So let's go back to the year that was 2014 as we hear our chat we had with the legendary Bert Newton. Bert Newton is a man who needs little introduction. He is a TV legend who is also well-known for his endeavours off the small screen and is part of the upcoming production of Grease coming to Hobart next week where he plays the role of Vince Fontaine. I spoke to Bert about the role coming naturally to him, his previous holidays in Tasmania, as well as a very special message for my own mother. Bert, pleasure to have you on the brink this morning. Thank you, Ben. That's great to be here. Well, it's uh, very much getting closer now. As I said, next week, Greece is coming here to Hobart. Uh, five shows at the Derwent Entertainment Centre. I mean, how much are you looking forward to being able to, to come here to Hobart to be able to, to perform in front of the Tasmanian fans? Well, there's going to be plenty of them too because we're doing it at the Entertainment Centre, as you know, and that'll be certainly on any given performance the biggest audience that we've been playing to uh, in Australia. And also, I think it's just great that a big show comes to uh, to Hobart. I'd like to think that I had a little to do with that. I'm, the producer is John Frost, and we were having lunch together about two or three years ago, and I asked, you know, the shows aren't going to, uh, to Tassie. And he said, well, with some of the really huge shows, it's a little difficult because it's, it's you know, it's out of cost. Mm-hmm. Um, but he thought this was an ideal one to bring. I mean, it's still a big show and it's, it's still, you know, high quality. But this is also, I think, a litmus test. Um, I'm old enough to remember when every big show came to Tassie, <laughs> uh, especially to, uh, to Hobart. So I hope that... I hope that's a revival, and and I know that uh, this this production will be loved by people because the one thing we've discovered going around into the other capital cities, uh, Brisbane and Sydney and Melbourne and Adelaide and Perth, is that every demographic is represented. You've got the you've got the young kids, you've got the teenagers, the young marrieds, 
the uh, middle lifers, the older people, people in my age group, you know, 76 to Good Morning Doctor, <laughs> uh, they were all out there. Well, it's kind of the, also the musical, really, that uh, everyone can connect with as you're sort of putting it out there. I mean, um, I think it's basically the most popular musical in the world, and I believe the, the record attendance at the Doan Entertainment Centre was the last time when Greece was came here in the late 90s, when like Danny Minogue and Craig, Craig yeah, McLaughlin exactly, were in yeah. that. So uh, we're starved for things like this, Bert. So we, we appreciate that if you've had a hand in this, bringing it down here. Yeah, well, it's going to be a good experience for all concerned. I know that the, uh, the fellow cast members are thrilled to be coming down and also to play to such uh, a huge audience at its show. Um, you know, I do suggest to anyone uh, that, you know, is maybe thinking, should I or should I not come along? Be like everyone who's been to the show so far, uh, you know, come along and have a good time. It's, a, it's the party musical and the intriguing thing, Ben, that I find in this show, other than not not like any other show that I've I've done in theatre, you find the the crew backstage and even the ushers and usherettes and so forth tapping along to the music, singing along, dancing along, and some of them are good enough to be actually on stage. <laughs> I hope they stay where they are. They're auditioning secretly uh, behind the scenes. I mean, uh, the role, as I said, Vince Fontaine, I mean, this pretty much would come naturally to you, wouldn't it, Bert? I mean, you know, you're playing a radio DJ. Do you, do you even have to act? I mean, is this just you on stage, ad-libbing with all your experience? Well, it's it's a good feeling because it's almost back to the future for me because uh, I started out in radio and uh, played all of the songs that we're featuring uh, in, uh, in Greece uh, back when they first came out and that's a good feeling. It's also a little sad because I think I'm the only one in the whole cast who remembers them first time around. <laughs> you remember them on the radio, you were playing them. I've actually um, never seen Grease, the movie. I'm probably the only person on the planet but that hasn't. So for someone like myself who comes along to the show who hasn't seen the movie, I mean, can you compare the movie much to the, the stage production? I mean, what do you feel is, is a better representation of the story? Don't feel alone because I, I'm pretty sure that I hadn't seen Grease, the movie, until such time as I had this part offered. Right. So I looked at it, and then I'm in a good position now to make comparisons. It is pretty close to the, to the movie. Uh, there are some uh, differences. One major difference is the DJ in the movie is uh, quite a young man. Uh, <laughs> but we won't go there. Uh, it's, all the music is there, plus a couple of new songs that are in there, but all the, the big hits from the show are there. And I think the huge majority of people who come to see the show know the movie but you know you don't need to have seen the movie because the one thing the movie helps us with is in promoting the show because it's a brand name Greece and I think in musical theatre these days the important thing is for people to know what the show is going to be about you know Wicked's got that advantage too the Sound of Music has that and certainly Greece has that uh, that terrific uh, empathy with audiences. Mm, absolutely. Uh, now, we mentioned it to you just before we started this, we had uh, Rob Mills, Greta Scarlett in studio a couple of months ago to talk about the show. I mean, how's it been working with Millsy, Gretel, also the other great cast, John Paul Young's in there. I mean, uh, a star-studded a star lineup really, on this uh, performance. Yeah, I was lucky, Ben, because I, I, I got to work with people that I've worked with before. I did Wicked with, uh, with Millsy and also quite a bit of television, and Gretel was in Wicked too. And John Paul Young's been on various shows that uh, I've hosted or been part of. Um, it's a good bunch. I can't think of any other show that I've done in theatre that's got a, a more affable 
cast. Uh, we have a lot of fun. There's a, a great show going on backstage too most of the time. <laughs> but they're, they're lovely to work with. And the average age of the, of the cast would be around about 22. And it would be unfair to call the group an ensemble because they're basically all individual characters. And their energy, their expertise, and their, the power they have on stage, it's quite inspirational for uh, the older performers. Fantastic to hear. Now, I've got to ask a question. I'm sure you've been asked this one countless times, but do you, do you have a favourite song in the production, Bird? I mean, what's your favourite Grease song? I think, I think my favourite... Well, I think you'll understand when you see the show. Grease Lightning mm-hmm. is, uh, is, is, is great in the company, and it's, it's done fabulously by the boys. I'm not, I don't know why it hasn't happened that a couple of them had to go to hospital immediately after doing it because it's so energetic. So I'd, I'd, give it, I'd give it my number one song. I'm not part of it, but I get to see it as often as I possibly can. I'm not in the scene, but I you know, get out of my dressing room, come round and watch because it's a great piece of, uh, of stage music. Do you reckon that uh, you know, a few years ago, had you been in this, you could have been a part of that, Bert, giving them a, a run for their money up there on stage? In Grease Lightning? Mm. No, no. I don't, I'm not even in my twenties. I don't think that I, I would have had the, I would have had the keenness to do it, but I don't think I would have had the follow-through. Well, uh, of course, no doubt you've been here to Hobart countless times over the years. I mean, have you sort of uh, experienced uh, a favourite place to come to when you're here in Hobart or Tassie over the years uh, during your, your trips? One of the best holidays that Patty and I had was uh, a holiday about oh, six, seven years ago, maybe, in which we started at Hobart. Herbert, and then we just circumnavigated uh, the the state. And there's no other state in Australia whereby you can do that. Mm. And I don't mean only physically, but also it, with such, you know, we didn't find one spot that we didn't consider either beautiful or pretty. Mm. Uh, you know, I think it's God's own country. And uh, I suppose the, the proof of the pudding is, apart from the work that I've done out, down here, I've always tried to get down here on a, on a break occasionally because the people are so friendly. Uh, coming from Melbourne, the weather in, uh, in Tasmania is no worry to me <laughs> because we're, we're sisters in, uh, in arms in, so. in some ways. <laughs> Although this is, this is a beautiful springtime this year. It's, Actually, obviously, it's an early springtime, but uh, coming in uh, a couple of days ago just to, uh, to enjoy the drive into the hotel, uh, it, it was magnificent. I don't think any other capital city in, uh, in Australia would have had weather to, uh, to equal it. Mm, exactly. We've uh, sort of been sport this last uh, week or so. Now, before I let you go, uh, Bert, I have had the request. Now, now my mother likes to um, sort of... Uh, know who I'm interviewing and I, I update her and I sort of say, look, I'm, I'm speaking to Bert Newton today and she sort of, her eyes have lit up. She's going, oh, oh, you've got to mention that I want to say hello to Bert. And I don't often do this, Bert, so can I please pass on a hello from my mother to you this morning? What's her name? Her name is Kim. Kim? Yes. Kim, this is Bert here. All the very best to you. Thank you for... Uh for asking after me. I'm sure Ben wasn't telling a lie. I, I, I really hope that you said, well, you know, please say hello to Bert for me. I'm saying hello to you. You've got a great son with a big future and uh, and I hope that your life is filled with lots of love and good things at the moment and for the future too. 
Beautiful, thanks. But the only other time I've ever did that was when I interviewed Rove and I, I just went through with his request and I said hello to my mum for him. So uh, I made sure that. Of course, you can see uh, Bert Larvin Sage as part of Greece, which hits the Derwent Entertainment Centre next week, 5th of September, uh, across three days, five shows. Tickets available at ticketmaster.com.au. We'll put the link out on our page. Bert, huge pleasure having you on the show today, mate. Looking forward to this next week and uh, enjoy your time here in Hobart uh, whilst you're here at the moment. Thank you, Ben, and it was great to catch up with you and meet you. And lots of love to Kim again. It wouldn't be a brink without bringing back our next guest. She's everybody's favourite person who likes to call people dickheads. And we like to play this because it's law, even though we're recording this on Australia Day. It's Casey Howard, and she's back in the US, so I guess you've got to hear this now, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Does it just, again, make you want to hug an eagle? No. I don't know. I think that's law there, isn't it? I have no idea. Um, welcome back. You're you, something what in the where? What? Who? What? 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 What's happening? What? I have no idea what's happening right now. Um, you're, you're back in America, though. We kicked you out. So um, how does it feel to be back home in the, the land of the free and the home of the brave? where it's winter and cold and it was pouring rain today. Yes, which is an un, unheard of lyric in the national anthem, is it? Or Yeah, it's the, the verse they got rid of. Where it's pouring with rain and it's also winter. Uh, but you can't really sing that in the summer, though. That's awkward. What if it was a sunny day? It seems like it would be lyrics that have to change constantly. That's why they cut that verse. Exactly. It was just too fluid, basically. But did you um, – you went off at me for saying that this is a question I'll ask you because I already asked you this question, but reflecting on the fact now that it's been a month tomorrow at the time of recording this since you arrived here. Um, really? Yeah. Well, we are recording this on Australia Day, uh, which uh, we may talk a little bit about. <laughs> yes, right? Sure. <laughs> She's shocked. She's positively shocked. Realize the date. I didn't realize it was already January twenty fifth. So yeah, that means I left a month ago. Oh my god, that's depressing. Well, on that happy note, um, how do you reflect on your time in Australia? Uh, you know, how have you shared the stories with people that you've come in contact with? They always ask you about the spiders and shit like that. And how do you explain that that's all a load of bullshit? You, did you see one spider when you were here, Casey? There was that daddy long leg in the like entrance of your Doesn't count. building. On, like, they're the actually not a spider. Day. Daddy long legs are not a spider. They're a fly. Did you not know that? That seems incorrect. Do they have eight legs? Yeah, but they're a breed of fly. I'm going to confirm this for you. They're not a breed of spider. If they have, if they have eight legs, that makes them an arachnid, right? Uh, it is the uh, it is a form of the Folicidae, our family of Aranomorph spiders. Um, um, so spider. <laughs> no, I swear they were like a type of. Uh, this is a anyway. Answer the question. You didn't see spiders. How's your time? Just get to the other stuff. Just saying that I was right. Um, it was great, and I was very depressed, but it's all over. Uh, how depressed is depressed? You know, very. Very. Uh, do you? Yes, it's very good content. You um. 
Do you have daddy long legs in? You do have them in America, don't you? Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so hang on. The daddy long legs is actually a large type of crane fly. There you go. Suck it. At least according to this website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you want? Like Wikipedia? No, this is uh, wildlifetrust.org. Um, but, yeah, I I don't know. This is like... Really confusing. It says here the daddy long legs is actually a large type of crane fly. There are 94 types in the UK. Um, oh, but this one's saying it's got wings. I have no idea. Maybe there's different things called daddy long legs. But anyway, um, the point is, fun fact, did you know that the most uh, one of the most poisonous spiders in the world? They just don't have a fangs that can bite humans. So that's why they're not deadly to us. So, yeah. Well, that's something that I really did not... <laughs> Need to know. Thank you. I have, I have no idea where the point of this is going. We're off to a really good start already. But um, would you come back to Australia? Would you put it on a list of, hey, I've been there, I'd like to come back? Or is it like, nah, I've been there, I'm going to go to New Zealand next or something? If you bought me a plane ticket right now, I would be there tomorrow. Well, I'm not going to do that. So don't look well, at me. That's really rude. <laughs> that's the story of my life. But, uh, I mean, Sydney in general as a city, how do you rank that? Highly recommend. I mean, <laughs> I would put it up. Just comparing it to, like, my other favorite cities, I think I would put it up there in the same. Like, London is definitely, like, my favorite city of all time. But then I think I would kind of pair it along with, like, Paris, and like some of those other European cities where like it's got like the one kind of big iconic landmark and then some like other fun things to do. So I think it's pretty similar and would definitely come back. But New York's better, right? Well, I mean, New York is fine. Aww. And, like, I, <laughs> I you? like I kind of like Sydney better than New York, maybe. No, no. Get off my yeah. show. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> no, because, like, Sydney has, like, beaches and still has plenty of fun things to do. has, like, some theater. Like, we saw Moulin Rouge. Like, it has, like, the art and some of those things. Because and New, York, of New York's lacking a theatre scene. I really wish New York would hurry up and get a theatre scene. <laughs> lacking. <laughs> it's not where I was going with that. I'm just saying that it has a lot of the comparable things plus beaches and without New being York has as, beaches? Like, not good ones. We saw that beach near the Brooklyn Bridge. There was gravel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you want to like go all the way out to like Long Island, then... Like, sure, there's some beaches, but they're freezing cold and the water is gross. So, I... <laughs> Shut up. New York's got tall buildings. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's why I kind of not got into it. It's very claustrophobic. Bagels, pizza, um, better Chinese, better sports, you know? Um... I mean, those points are all kind of Times Square? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Don't need that. You and your Times Square racism. I don't know what's wrong with you. But um, 
Anyway, uh, speaking of racism, it's uh, I said speaking of racism, it's Australia Day. Um, so uh, I thought of one of the quizzes that we could have for you today. Uh, I, I found three Australian quizzes, right? Now, I know we sort of did this before, but uh, I tried to find something a little bit different. I tried to find Australia Day quizzes. Now, there's like a couple that I found, but like even I didn't know half of them. Like they were hard. So I'm not going to give you those, but I thought instead I've got take the Aussie slang quiz. So you watch a lot of these like little videos that you send me and like, oh, look at this guy speaking Australian. Isn't he weird? And I'm like, well, no, that's just Australian. Like, what are you talking about? But I, I want to see how much of these you pay attention to. So I've got, um, I've, I can at least see the first one here and it gives me four options for you to choose from. And I will say this is on a uh, website, it's on australiaday.com.au and it's got a lovely photo or a lovely drawing of a kangaroo with sunglasses on, a cap and a pair of looks like Beats by Dre around his neck and a hoodie in front of Uluru. So um, it's it's very Australian. So just uh, that's what we all wear. Um, so are you, are you ready for this? Yes. Yes. All right. And as usual, I'll have sound effects to help you if you're right or wrong. Uh, what What does hard yakka refer to? Is it hard work, hard helmet, hard day, hard life? Yeah. Hard yakka. There's also a brand of like clothing that they've called this, which might help you maybe. Hard work, hard helmet, hard day, hard life. Hard day? You're saying hard day? Yeah. It's hard hard work. Like hard jacker. Yeah, you wouldn't know the meaning of that. That's fine. Um, What time of day is at Sparrow's Fart? Is it... Very late at night, midday, very early in the morning or in the afternoon. Sparrows fart. Is that a real thing that people say? Yep. 100%. Very early in the morning? Correct. You'd say, like, yeah, I'm going to get up at Sparrows fart tomorrow. So. God. Yeah. What are mates rates? a special discounted price for close friends of family, a rating scale of who you like most out of your friends of family, how much money you often spend when with particular friends or family, how much time you spend with friends or family. The first one. A special discounted price for close friends and family. Correct. Good job. What does it mean to be knackered? Hungry, tired, angry, Excited. Tired. Correct. In Australia, what is McDonald's informally known as? Mickey D's, Macca's, Macadax. Oh, oh, old Macs. I like Macadax. That's a good one. And I know it's Macca's because we got ourselves some dirty Macca's a couple times. I don't know if they would uh, have this. I might give this away if this is a future question, but we call like sweatpants tracky dacks. So, you know, that's maybe where they get Macadax from. What does it mean to have a crack? Start a fight, visit the chiropractor, try to attempt something, get a paper cut. <laughs> try to attempt something? Correct. What is a Sanger? 
Someone who used to sing a toolbox, a shower, a sandwich. Um, I'm going to go with sandwich. Correct. To be a stubby short of a six-pack is to be someone who does silly things, someone who is missing a drink, someone who is a bit crazy, someone who has only had five children. I will say, just before you answer this, this isn't a, one I think I've heard of, but I, I can guess what it is based on a yeah, similar yeah. one. Yeah, I think it's like someone crazy. Yeah, no, I'd go with that. But that's someone, that's one I've never heard of, but I'm going to give you a... Because it doesn't tell me the answers, I think, until the end here. What was the late Steve Irwin's famous catchphrase? Far out. Crikey. What a beaut. Crikey or cool. <laughs> Crikey. And the final one, you get this one. Um, what do budgie smugglers refer to? Runner-up, shoplifter, birdcage or male swimming costume? Male swimming costume. So you got nine out of ten. So you got the hard yakka one wrong. Um, so, yeah, the stubby short of a six-pack. Is um, what's that one? The one that's more commonly used is that it's like, oh, there are a few, she- there are a few sheep loose in the top paddock or something like that. Like that's the one that I hear more. Yeah. That's that's more like a New Zealand thing. Yeah, well, you know, we know what they're like. So, I mean, just to put into reference, the uh, Herald Sun, one of our leading newspapers in the country, their Australia Day quiz involves questions such as. What was the term the locals who assisted Australian soldiers during World War II and New Guinea campaign? The big cheese in which, which New South Wales town? Like, yeah. Wow. Some, some of them. All right. So the one I've got here that we can both do, and um, we don't have to do all of them. It's 105 questions. I'm not here for all for that, but we'll do a few of these. Now, we can revisit these next time. Uh, thanks to Cosmopolitan. I'm a subscriber, so I love them. Uh, the best general knowledge quiz questions. So it is just literally general knowledge. All right. So it could be anything. Okay. Would you like to give this a crack, Casey? Yep. Sure. And 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 I'll, I'll let's let's do like twenty, and okay. I'll also go in this as well. Um, now the only difficult thing is I like I can flick over to the answers, but then do I? That's maybe cheating a bit because I might like then go through and uh, accidentally look. So what we'll do? We'll do twenty, and we'll try and remember what we answered. How's that? Do you have a piece of paper nearby? Yeah, but I was going to do it. You're so demanding, dickhead. Like, calm down. Jesus. Far out. Remember. Do you have a pen and paper? Fucking oath. Um, (laughs) Do they have them in America? No. We still, like, use rocks and chisels. Yeah, because you're so underdeveloped. All right. What is the capital of Finland? Now, I know this. Do you know this? No, I do not know this. <laughs> you don't know this? Do I write I this know. down? Is this a multiple choice thing? It isn't. No, sorry. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, I can give you multiple choices based on the ads I'm seeing here. Jeffrey Fabric, Wingback, Armchair, Light, Beige. Get behind the wheel to experience the most powerful engine in the segment. We're young, but we're already one of the largest. And Rachel Stevens answers Tricky S Club 7 trivia. Um, S Club 7. Can we do that one? <laughs> Well, it's a video and she's talking, so, um, yeah. Oh. Are they like S Club 4 now? Didn't like three of them leave and then they just call themselves like S Club or something like that? Well, I mean, they did back in the like mid-2000s when they like broke up, but then more recently, Rachel, Joe, and Bradley had been like doing... She knows the years. names. Look out. <laughs> Far out. I was, I was obsessed with S Club 7. Clearly, you know the names of S Club 7. <laughs> <laughs> 
Far out. Yeah, I had the Barbie dolls and watched the TV show and have a whole. You were the <laughs> one. <laughs> wow. And I had like all of their albums. Still have it all on my iTunes. I had I had um, the single of Don't Stop Moving to the Funky Funky Beat, whatever that one was. Um, yeah, like, I still have the full work. She literally <laughs> has an album called Disney Mania. And, well, the, the, i tell you one thing, the discography is not that long. You were scrolling through that pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's like four albums. Like, come on Where now. are the S Club Barbies, Casey? Get them out. Come on. I no longer own them, sadly. Oh, but You're not a true fan. Yeah, you got rid of them. That's why they're S Club Six now, because you threw out Rachel's Barbie. Did you did you used to undress the Barbies, or was that just me? No, definitely just you. I used to, <laughs> I used to keep them in pristine condition, and then like, throw them out once you got rid of them. <laughs> like fuck it, fuck S Club Seven. When I stopped caring about Barbies. Poor S Club Seven. They want their Barbies back. They're probably collectors items now. Probably. I anyway, I can out. firmly tell you S Club 7 is not the capital of Finland. <laughs> but there, there is something. I... Um, I'm going to go with Helsinki, and you can't just copy my answers now. <laughs> That's what I'm going to go with too. No. Because now that you say that, that does ring a bell. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's just going to make me look so stupid. It, well, you, you are sounding stupid because you like S Club 7. Um, number two... <laughs> What is the name of uh, oh, I don't know this one because I haven't seen the film. What is the name of Bridget Jones's baby in the third Bridget Jones? The one I haven't seen. Oh, I don't know. Let's go with Jessica. I have no idea. I haven't seen it either. Give me a guess. Go on. Um. <laughs> Any name? Johnny. What do you say, Johnny? Johnny. 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 <laughs> My little baby Johnny. Um. At the time of writing. December 2022, how many episodes of The Simpsons are there? Oh, I still watch it. So they're up to season 32. If there's 22 episodes in a season, math is not my strong suit. Where's the calculator? Uh, 32 times 22. Oh, is there 700? Uh, I mean, I, I'm guessing like 732. That's my guess. You're saying 732. I'm going to yeah. say 769. <laughs> 69. Um, wow. That's what I'm going to say. All right. Uh, question number four. Ah, suck it. You can answer this one first because I know this one. Which five colors make up the Olympic rings? And actually, I'm going to cover that poster up behind me because you probably can see them. Actually, they no, no, they're not colourful. It's all right. You can't sit there. They're just in white. Red, yellow, black, green. I want to say blue. Is that what you're saying? Um, let me picture it. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? Shut Red, yellow, green, and black. I'm definitely in there. Definitely in there. <laughs> <laughs> Always comes in handy. I think it's blue. Isn't it that like it 
each of the colors are like the main colors that are found in all flags in the world. <laughs> are you going with blue? I mean, other options are like orange and purple, and like those aren't it. Yes, I'm going blue. <laughs> are you sure? Okay, well, you, you would be correct because they are the colours and yes, they do represent all the continents of the world and the flags of the world. So good good job, Casey. That took forever to Thank think you. of the colour blue. Um, I just, I really downed myself on that one for some reason. Sure, all right. Ah, oh, another one that I know and you can answer this one first. This is the Ben Waterworth quiz. I should really subscribe to Cosmopolitan. In which decade was Madonna born? How old? She's in her 50s. Now, right? I don't know. You tell me. This is you're answering it first. <laughs> oh, what was fifty? Years ago, <laughs> nearly the eighties. Being born, yeah, she was born in the seventies. That feels too recent. <laughs> like I can't because she was big in the eighties, so if she was born in the seventies. Like. Do you want the music again? (laughs) Shut up! So snappy! She's not like this outside of recording, I tell you that. I don't don't like this game. 60s. You're going with the 60s? Yes. Okay, well, you're going to be wrong because it's the 50s. She was born in 1958, so just saying. Holy shit! She's the same age as my mom. Aw, look at that. Maybe I need to meet your mum. Um, in number <laughs> number six, what is the oh, pff, what? This is obviously a British quiz. You might know this one. Then you live there. What is the most sold flavor of Walker's crisps? Mm-hmm. Salt and vinegar. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I know the British do love their vinegar, so I mean, that might make sense actually. Um. Picture them. I think I'm just talking to you. Oh, you are? Oh, damn it. There goes that music. All right. I, again, I don't know the answer to that one. We'll find out soon. Um, ooh, what is the biggest animal in the world? I'm pretty sure it's a blue whale. It is a blue whale. Oh, it is a blue whale. Oh, listen to me. Um. Well, <laughs> we never made it to the Natural History Museum in New York together. I've been but there. But they before. have the, yeah, said together. Oh. I think that's the giant blue whale. I remember that. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, fuck. This is, I don't want to answer this question. For one point, put the following Kardashian Jenners in order of age, oldest to youngest. Chloe, Kylie, uh, Rob, Courtney, Kendall, Kim, Chris. So for one point for all of them or one point each? Which ones are we counting? So Chloe, Kylie, Rob, Courtney, Kendall, Kim, Chris. I didn't even know there was that fucking many. Now I feel sick. Well, Chris is the mom, so she's oldest. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I don't know where Rob falls in there, but it goes, if with the girls, it goes Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, Kylie. So hang on, you're going Chris first, then he's, was Rob second? Yeah. No, I don't Who's know Rob? Where. Who the fuck is Rob? They really have a brother. I didn't know that. Where's, where's Caitlin in all yeah. of this? Why isn't Caitlin on this list? Because she... I don't know. It says Kardashian-Jenners. I don't know. 
Well, you should. All right, so Chris first. <laughs> I'm also going Chris first because she's old. Chris and then Courtney. Okay. Kim. Okay. And Chloe. Okay. And Kendall. Okay. And Kylie. Okay. And I think... You've got Rob and uh, how many are there? Eight. No, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So he's Rob last. (laughs) I mean, he might be between Kim and (laughs) Chloe. I don't know. We're taking way too much lip service on this bullshit question. Where are you putting Rob? Between the... Kim and Chloe. Between Kim and Chloe. So you've gone Chris, Courtney, Kim, Rob, Chloe, Kendall, Kylie. Okay. Well, I'm going yeah. Chris, Kim, um, <laughs> Chloe. <laughs> I have no fucking clue and I don't care. Rob, Courtney, um, and the other two, Kylie and Kendall. Sure. I'm not even going to be able to read my own writing when I read this out, but sure. Okay. Um, oh, I know this one. How many times has Andy Murray won Wimbledon playing singles? <laughs> Have I lost you? I don't know. Where are you? There you are. You don't know? I said <laughs> yeah. three. You're saying three? Well, you're wrong. It's two. So, cool. Um, which country is Brie Cheese from? It's French, isn't it? I think so. Was it Camembert? Well, if you're yeah, going to say France, France, okay, well, I'm going to say Germany. I think I'm wrong, but I need to – I'm kicking your ass anyway, but whatever, may as well go a bit different. Um, what In what franchise would you find the character Katniss Everdeen? Is that um, – Oh, yeah, that one. Yep. Oh, I was trying to let you answer first. <laughs> well, I think I knew that. I've never seen it, but that's um, Jennifer Lawrence, right? Sure. Um, yeah. What year was Heinz established? Oh, I've been to Pittsburgh where Heinz is from and it's everywhere there. Uh, I don't know, like 1892. <laughs> She's thinking. See, I was going to guess like 1952. <laughs> 1952. Okay. I think it's older than that, but you could be right. Oh, I know okay. this one. I know this one as well. What is the capital of Iceland? Is it Reykjavik? Yeah. I, 10 points extra if you can spell it. Uh, Reykjavik. <laughs> um, I mean, can anyone name another city that's in Iceland? Um, I actually know this one as well because uh, uh, we literally was talking about this the other day at work. Who came second in the Women's FIFA World Cup in 2019? Who, who did America beat at the World Cup in 2019? <laughs> Who did we beat? 2019. I was in London. I was watching it. It was in France. Ha ha ha. Who did we beat? I don't know. Well, I do, but I can't tell you until you answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I 
scheme. <laughs> Come on, think of a country. The only one coming to mind is Sweden, but I feel like that well, one's because of the Olympics. Here's a Not. clue. I'll give you a clue. Test your memory. Uh-huh. The same country knocked you guys out of the Men's World Cup last year. Um, it's not Sweden. It's a European country. Sort of in the vicinity of Sweden. A Formula One driver comes from there who we may or may not like. Netherlands. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am from Holland. And fun fact, you guys are meeting each other in the group stages of the World Cup later this year. So there you go. Um, Ooh, this one's interesting. What year did Margaret Thatcher die? That was fairly recently because it was after the Meryl Streep movie. That was like 2014. So I'm going to say 2015 or 16. Let's go with 2015. Because I don't think 2016 is the year that all the celebrities died. I don't think everybody gave a shit that Margaret Thatcher died. So I think it was not in the same year that like Bowie and Prince and all that died. Going 2012. Going with 2012. All right. Cool. Uh, 16. Oh, you should know this one. What does IPA stand for? Wait, do I know this one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I knew it was like pale ale, but yeah. Indian pale ale. Indian pale ale. My pen's running out too, by the way. I blame you. Um... I had a discussion about this with you because I know you've seen it. Who painted the Mona Lisa? Uh, See, I hate being from on this Well, I'm pretty sure I know, but as soon as I say it, you're going to agree with me. (laughs) Well, you're very fun. I'm pretty sure it's Da Vinci, isn't it? I think so. It's just one of those things where, like, that feels like such common knowledge and it would be really embarrassing if we were wrong. So do you want to go someone different or? I don't know who else I would go, but. Michelangelo? I don't know. No. Da Vinci? All right, I'll put that down for you. Uh, I know this one. Which planet is closest to the sun? Um, What is that? Uh, Is it Mercury? Yep. Yeah. It is. Uh, I'm trying to think of like that acronym they teach you in like elementary school. very... Ernest man just showed me nine planets, but you don't say planets anymore because Pluto doesn't exist. It was my very excellent mother just (laughs) something us nine pizzas. Oh, okay. Now I can't remember what Saturn's would be. Showed us nine pizzas? That doesn't make sense. Sold us? Um, I like the one that we had in Australia for like trying to remember the order of um, North, South, East, West. It was never eat soggy wheat pigs. <laughs> never eat soggy waffles. <laughs> hey, there you go. It's always clever, these little ones. Did you ever have the one like about like the pink sky at night, sailor's delight, pink sky in the morning, sailor's warning, so you knew you are going to have good weather the next day or bad weather? Or well, sometimes people say yeah. shepherds instead of sailors. But um, yeah, clever. People are clever. Um, what was Queen Elizabeth II's surname? Is that Windsor? Or was that Diana? No, that was Diana, wasn't it? I did look this up once because I remember as a kid, I'm going like, why is she just the queen? Does she not have a last name? Well. Spencer. No, yeah. Diana Spencer. It was Windsor because isn't it House of Windsor? 
yeah, but I think because on the crown it was a big storyline because uh, Prince Philip was Mountbatten, and he wanted her to take his name. She was going to, but like it was a big deal to like not no longer have the House of Windsor being in like the monarchy. So, so do you think this was I, referring she, to her maiden name or her married? Like, is there- she, I think she had Windsor, but Harry and like William were Windsor Mountbatten. They're not Spencer. So I, oh, because Diane Spencer, she would have taken the last name yeah. when she had Charles, right? Yeah. So I think. Are you going with Windsor or are you going I with Mount? Either, well, it's either Windsor or Windsor Mountbatten, but I think it's Windsor. You're gonna go with Windsor? Okay, look at you, smarty pants. Um, all right, the last one, we'll go and we'll cap it here at twenty. Oh, and you're, you're sad because well, you're going to have to come back because question 25 is a Harry Potter question. Um, at 20, who plays Del Boy Trotter in Only Fools and Horses? No fucking clue. Let's do the Harry Potter one instead. No. Let's skip that question. Keep it for next week, Casey. Um, I have no <laughs> idea. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> See, I don't know either. I haven't heard of them. Let's do the Harry Potter question Next instead. week, next week. Who are you guessing with? Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. Oh, rest in peace, Patrick. And rest in peace, Bert. He died too, didn't he? All right, let's go through this. Um, All right, so question number one. I said Helsinki. You said nothing. I am. Well, that's the wrong one. Hang on. (laughs) Let me cancel that. Let's try that again. I am correct. Yay, Ben. Woo, Ben. Um, I didn't say nothing. I then copied you and said, yeah, that sounds right. That doesn't count. Uh, number two, uh, that was the baby one, wasn't it? The Bridget Jones one. Yes. So you said Jesse, uh, You said Johnny. I said Jessica. We're both wrong. It was William. Of course it was. Of course it was. Now, episodes of The Simpsons, you said 732. I said 769. <laughs> 69. I'm going to give it to you because it was 738. Very close. Good job. Well done. Um, all right. The Olympic rings, uh, black, green, blue, yellow, and red. We're both correct. Got there eventually. Uh, you know I'm right about Madonna because it was 50s. Um, oh, the most popular chip. Both wrong. Cheese and onion. Yum. Love cheese and onion. Good flavor. Um, the largest animal in the world. Both correct. Blue whale. Uh, all right, oldest to youngest for the Crapdashians. So do we get a point each for this or do you want the point for the whole thing? I think point for each correct. Okay, so first, Chris. So we're both correct there. Good job. Next, Courtney, you're correct. Good job. Um, next is Kim. You're correct. Then it is Chloe. <laughs> God, you're kicking ass on this. Then it is Rob, so... Oh, no, sorry, you're wrong then, so you don't get yeah, that point for Chloe. I Chloe and Rob. You did. Uh, but then Kendall and Kylie got correct. So, so that's what, like, one, two, three, four, five. Good job. Wow, you might have taken the lead with that one. Um, the Andy Murray one, I'm correct. And for those playing at home, you beat Novak Djokovic in 2013 and Canadian Milos Ranich in 2016. There you go. Um... The Brie question, you're correct. I should have stuck with my instinct because it's France. Um, the Hunger Games, we're both correct on that one. Heinz, 
Uh, you said 1952. I'm giving myself a point because it was 1869. I said 1892, so I'm closest. So suck it. Um, we're both correct on that one. Netherlands, even though I gave you the fucking answer. Um, oh, I'm going to give you the point for um, Margaret Thatcher because it was 2013. So you were closest. Uh, Indian Pale Ale, we're both correct on that one. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci, both correct. Uh, Mercury, both correct. Uh, Windsor, both correct. And we both said Burt Reynolds and Patrick Swayze. It was the esteemed David Jason. Love him. He's my idol. Yep. You, you might have won this based on the Kardashians. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I got fourteen. You got one, two, three, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Fuck you and your Kardashians. Boo, Casey. Boo. <laughs> you can't win on this show. This show's rigged for me. Um. Anyway. Um, we'll come back next week for the Harry Potter one, perhaps. I mean, I'm dying to know what the question is. Um, yeah, I don't actually know the answer to it, so you might. Um, oh, I like the one afterwards, our Tom Hanks question. What else do we have in there, just quickly? Uh, got an Anne Hathaway question. Oh, there's a Ferrero Rocher question. You might be in the right real space to do that. Um, oh, there's a Daniel Craig question, but it's not the type that you want to. There's a friends question. There's a love Island question. Uh, there's a Scooby-Doo question. Um, cool. Lots of ones here. Um, anyway, Casey is he's choking to death. <laughs> do you need a moment? Are you, are you okay? Do we, do we just need to just make sure that you're alive first before we move any further to say goodbye to you? It's all right. Just never killed a guest on this show. So, <laughs> Want to want to give a plug to what you what you're drinking so that you can give them a tag of them killing you. My line Lacroix went down the wrong pipe. Come on, Lacroix, you suck. Uh, Casey, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, for listening to me. Time to time, we like to bring you a little snippet of some of the other shows that we are involved in, at least here from my perspective. Of course, we have a whole network of other podcasts. If you do like the content you hear through myself, the other shows that, of course, I'm involved in. And one of the shows, of course, is James Bond podcast called 007, if you have not listened to it. Thoroughly enjoyable podcast, if I don't say so myself. It's uh, recently missed out on being listed on the 34 best James Bond podcast. I say we were number 35, so we'll take that as a badge of honor. And we recently ranked... The other songs of James Bond. So if you don't know what that means, there are other songs in the James Bond franchise that aren't the title themes. So myself and my co-host Noah, who of course has been on the show several times, sat down and ranked them. And when it came to talking about a certain song, one of the unofficial Bond songs, Never Say Never Again, which was an unofficial James Bond film released in 1983, we uh, got a little bit sidetracked when it came to learning a bit about the lyrics and its singer, Lani Hall. He said no, Lani. Well, well, it gets worse. She says, but you've got all the moves and I've got them too. No matter your attitude or your mood, I'm coming through. (laughs) Lani, Um, get consent. 
And she said, I don't care. Let it be. <laughs> to be with a man who says never, never say never. And that says, I beg you, I'll reach you, I'll teach you, and I'll <laughs> reach take around. you. <laughs> reach around Marty. That's what they call them. Uh, oh, that's not mine. <laughs> that's the name of the episode. No. That's not the episode name, Reach Around Marty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I apologise to Lani Hall. Is she still alive? <laughs> I, I'm going to pay you $5 to send Lani Hall an email saying, fuck off, reach oh. around, Lani. <laughs> That's a tenor at least. Uh, <laughs> reach around, Lani. That has to oh, be the episode title. Come on. I, I went to write uh, Lani Hall and I wrote Ian Hall, not Ian Dion. <laughs> Reach she is still alive. Oh, she's reaching uh, around. Sorry, Lani. Her husband <laughs> is called Herb. Herb Hole. <laughs> Herb <laughs> Hole and Ian Dean. I'm going to go walk to get some herbs from the local Herb Hole with Reach Around. <laughs> herb Hole is like, you know, the Bond girls. That's kind of a Bond boy, Herb <laughs> Hole. Reach Around, oh. Lani. She's done a she's done a song with Herb Hall, "Lovely Day" featuring Herb Hall. Um, um, so maybe 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 that could be our thinking music if we don't get anything better. We'll do Lani Hall, "Lovely Day" Lo- featuring Herb Herb album. What's it called? Reach around. Sorry, "Lovely Day." Um. Oh, oh, I. I Pay me $5 to apologise. I just want to say that I'm the one who gets into trouble again. No one's the one who came up with Mustacha called Sheena Easton and uh, what's-her-face Loopy a slut, and now he's gone with a reach-around Lani. I, no. Also, the one who said those certain comments on a Survivor Oz episode that I get labelled with after all these I apologise to Lani. You came up with reach-around Lani. (laughs) Reach-around Lani. That's the episode title. Totally no, it's not. Totally Where's weird. Colin? When we need Colin here to tell you off. I'm just going to message him and say, "Do you agree that the title should be Reach Around?" He and doesn't he know what Reach Around not. means, so he's going to say yes. Oh, yeah, that sounds very funny. <laughs> that sounds family friendly. <laughs> um, Lani. So, yeah, never say never again. I, I'm championing Lani Hall. I've got it 15th. You guys had it both at the bottom. So, good on you, what's, Lani, what's and that? you. Canadian, that Canadian show that Colin always talks about kids in the hall with Lani in the hall. Like, who is kids she? Kids in the Lani hall. Oh, no. <laughs> There's something else about kids in the Lani hall. Now, I'm not one here to sit and talk about the methodologies of our rankings of those shows, but sometimes they can get a bit carried away and we like to have a bit of fun with it. So if you like what you heard there, search a 007 online and you'll be able to listen to all the episodes and never miss any of the comedy. <laughs> Time to wrap it up for a, another week here on the brink. Big thanks to Nick, to Casey for joining us, and obviously great shout there to be able to go back in time, listen to that Bert Newton chat, and a lovely trip down memory lane from the late great Bert Newton. We will be back for a new episode, probably in a couple of weeks. Uh, we like to sort of maybe spread it out a little bit now in between him, maybe not necessarily always weekly, but we'll be back in February at least one point. So stay tuned for that. If you never want to miss an episode, of course, search for The Brink on wherever you get podcasts from around the world. And while you're there, leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. You can rate us. You can leave some star reviews. I reckon about a four today. Decent episode. Uh, I definitely am uh, up there on that page. 
And stay tuned over those coming weeks because we've got some exciting guests lined up to appear on this show. So make sure you never miss a beat here with The Brink. Thanks again to Nick. Thanks again to Casey. Thanks again for you for tuning in. My name is Ben. Remember to keep sucking those oranges, Hobart, and good night. Good night.